This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Veterans Benefits Administration is about to start paying disability benefits for those exposed to fumes from burn pits in the Middle East as far back as the Gulf War. Payments will go to those with three ailments, asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis. The new benefit comes after years of complaints and lobbying to Congress. For what it means to VBA, and as part of our special Veterans Day show, I spoke with the Executive Director of Compensation Service, Beth Murphy. And just as a basic measure, do we know how many veterans are potentially affected here in the first place? Well, Tom, up to three and a half million veterans could be impacted by this. Those that were deployed to the Southwest Asia Theater or in locations such as Afghanistan, uh, Uzbekistan, Syria, Djibouti. Right. So three and a half million. Yeah. And do you have any metrics on how many people have been applying for this benefit but have been denied because it wasn't statutorily required until now? Well, we did have some that were denied. We've sent outreach letters to those folks, encouraging them to reapply. I can tell you that already we have processed about 4,000 claims and granted millions of dollars in benefits to these veterans. So we're working them and processing them and paying claims. So of the 3.5 million potential, that's not how many are known to be sick. That's just the population of people that served in those areas during those designated years. Yes, that's correct, Tom. Now, define for us presumptive benefit. I think that was the same that was used for the uh, Blue Water Gulf veterans from Vietnam era, where the ships carried the uh, napalm in canisters. There was a presumptive benefit there. What does that mean, and how does that apply here? So presumptive service connection makes it easier for a veteran to become entitled for certain designated conditions. Tom, you're correct. We extended a couple of years ago additional Agent Orange-related conditions for Blue Water Navy veterans. We've added fairly recently, based on some congressional action, three additional presumptives for Vietnam veterans who were deployed due to Agent Orange. But in this case, what we were doing most recently is adding presumptive conditions for uh, Gulf War veterans who were deployed. There are three elements to establish service connection. First, you have to have a chronic condition. It has to be due to an incident or an illness or an injury in service. And then there must be a link, a causal connection. What the presumptive part of this does is we presume that there is a link. So it makes it easier for a veteran to establish entitlement to those benefits. And you have carefully defined what those ailments might be that would get there. Asthma, rhinitis, I believe it is, and sinusitis, correct? That's correct. All three are respiratory conditions. So if you have a chronic respiratory condition, even if you're not sure what the diagnosis is, we're encouraging you to come to us, file a claim, look for information, and we're here to help. And are the adjudicators mostly still working remotely? And how does it day-to-day there for VBA in just the normal processing of benefits claims? Well, we have been able through technology and digitizing many of our records over the past several years. It's really put us in a great position to be nimble and flexible and to not miss a beat. And the claims processors have been teleworking during the pandemic, and we've completed some of the highest numbers of claims annually in the last couple of years than we ever have. So it's working quite well and continuing to serve veterans despite any roadblocks. 
Yes, because VBA had some serious backlogs, which I think were largely worked down to where the backlog pool is what you would expect to be in order to grant benefits in the required time limit. I think it's 90 days, if I'm correct. Do you expect this benefit to create a new workload such that you could get into a backlog situation again? Well, Tom, we define a case that's in backlog as any case pending more than 125 days. And the number of inventory overall has been growing as we've added new presumptive conditions. The backlog has crept up a bit because as these cases are put kind of in bulk into our inventory so that we can work them, and then they age into 125 days, then we see these kind of short-term spikes in our backlog. But we're working them down. We're proactively hiring additional staff, getting them trained up, And as I said, our flexibility to be able to telework during this last couple of years has really been a big lift for us. And is there any kind of technical support, especially that might work efficiently in a presumptive situation, because the basic facts of presumption can be established easily? There are digital records for all of this. And then the only thing you need to add is some assertion, say, by a doctor that, yes, this person has asthma. Yes, I have to say digitizing our records over uh, the last uh, many years has been a huge positive impact for us. If there are treatment records available in VHA or through a private provider, we can very quickly retrieve those for the veteran. And if necessary, we can schedule a VA examination, and that would be at no cost to the veteran, just to assess and validate the severity of the condition. So there is a lot of support, a lot of assistance for veterans to go through this process. And is there an estimate of what the burn pit benefits will cost per year, and did Congress help out with that? Well, there have been estimates. There uh, have been projections. Those have been shared. And right now we're really focused on uh, assisting veterans to get these benefits that have been granted and it's the right thing to do. Sure. And you mentioned you have processed 4,000. How many are sitting there in the hopper? I would have to check. It's, uh, I think we've got maybe two or three times that many that are still in process. But like I said, it is a process to gather the information, private VHA records, get exams scheduled and conducted. But we're working through them, paying claims, and making sure veterans are receiving what they're entitled to. Sure, and you're doing a major national outreach, too, to make sure that everyone knows. Absolutely. We're on social media. I'm uh, reaching out through various outlets, and we have sent outreach letters to those who were previously denied to encourage them to reapply. All right. Beth Murphy is Executive Director of Compensation Services at the Veterans Benefits Administration. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on your program, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. 
Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, And I I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, Absolutely. Um, What I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? 
you have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but... 
Don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.